Hello and welcome to Backlog. I'm Lucas. I'm Alex. If you're new here at Backlog, each week my brother and I review games, discuss news, and debate our top fives, covering games from NES to modern. Thanks for joining us. How are you doing this week, Alex? Good. Um, went to IKEA this weekend and I got like a nice big old rug for my like my studio <laughs> space. So you know you've transitioned to adulthood when you're excited about buying a rug. <laughs> I don't think there's no coming back from that, but it's all it's all downhill. <laughs> I remember I remember our aunt and uncle bought like this. I remember they had like this this giant carpet that they put underneath like their dining room table at one point. And I remember mm-hmm. like I remember like they were super strict about it because it was expensive and they like paid like a hundred dollars for it or something. And then I was like, I never really looked into carpets much before, like <laughs> in my life. So <laughs> yeah. I like looked. At, I was like looking into it because I wanted to get one for this like this space in here. And I knew that a hundred dollars was like I'm not like completely like oblivious to it, but like I knew like a hundred dollars <laughs> yeah. was like a decent like probably price to look at around spending and stuff but like man like there's a website i was looking at i think it was like rugs.ca or like or like carpet.ca or something Carpet. and, and i was also looking at ikea and then mm-hmm. but like yeah there's like this the, the the carpet that i got or the mat that i got was like it's like six and a half feet by like four and a half feet i think is what it is yeah and there's like yeah and it was like 80 bucks and then there's ones that are on like IKEA's website and that rugs one that are like the same dimensions and they're like like fifteen hundred, twenty five hundred dollars. It's just like like holy crap, like Yeah, some stuff like the I mean made nature of it. <laughs> yeah, there's um down by where I live, there's like a, just a rug store, and it's just like it's practically an entire like strip mall, and it's all just rugs. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I'm like, either they're doing great business or it's a front for something. I don't know, but it's uh, that's <laughs> like who's who? I don't know. It's just such a crazy business to be in. I remember when I lived there too. Yeah, there was like these signs that was like on one of the streets that I worked on. It was like Persian rugs, and then there was like an arrow pointing like down another street. It's like <laughs> it seems kind of yeah. sketchy. <laughs> um yeah i went to ikea recently too shopping for a, a couch and like i want an island for my kitchen too just to have more like counter space it's just yeah. a nice easy way to to do that i think because i mean we rent an apartment so like if if we if we owned the place obviously it would be nice to just remodel it a bit but this way if we buy like an island it's something we can take with us if we go somewhere else so it seems yeah. like a decent enough investment there's some pretty cool ones there speaking of ikea um, again though i saw i remember back when we like were supposed to move into this place like we were looking at potential dining room tables because our kitchen and living room and dining space is like kind of small to fit a living room and a dining room kind of thing in so yeah basically i was looking for like some sort of like a, a table that had like i guess like kind of like a like a leaf in a way but more of like a lift up sort of thing so there was like this one that i saw at, at ikea back then at least it was like 200 bucks but it was like uh it basically like there was like this middle section that was probably like it was like the width of the table and then it was like maybe like six inches wide or something and then like yeah. literally like the from the height of the table down to the floor there was like two sides that you could fold up so it would basically make like a full-size table but it was like super easy to store like it would have been like mm-hmm. it's like super compact like like yeah probably like three feet by like six inches or something like that to like actually like fold down and roll into a corner sort of thing nice yeah so something like that might work yeah. for an island yeah um 
Yeah, I don't really know what I want. I mean, we, we went just to look at some, to get some generic ideas for what was available there. Um, there's one that was pretty cute. It just had like a really thick wooden countertop and then like a metal bar over top for like hanging pots and stuff off of, which would be probably cute because we got a lot of those just like on a shelf that it's impossible to like store pots in like a space economical way. So yeah, it's never, never, uh, never quite nice. Yeah, our... I mean, we, it's always weird. Apartments seem to do that thing where they just kind of merge the kitchen, dining room, living room all into one space. Cause ours is like that too, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, so we basically, our whole living room is just like the table. And then we just use our second bedroom as like a, a <laughs> living room of sorts with the TV and couch and stuff. So, yeah. Uh, but yeah, yeah. Uh, so if uh, you're good, I guess we could jump into some news. Do check it. out what's uh, happening lately uh, in the gaming sphere. Mm-hmm um so one thing that uh happened uh, i think this was february 1st that this uh this got announced i know you're not a stadia player but i play quite a few games on stadia Mm. um so stadia this week shut down their uh first party stadia games and entertainment which is like their first party uh studio for making games for stadia okay um which is a honestly just kind of a huge bummer i mean they put out a, a press release um or like a post like a blog post i guess but um Mm. basically talking about the decision and how they kind of just want to switch into just helping other developers bring games to the studio um but i don't know it's just kind of it's really disappointing because i mean a lot of what was making stadia really interesting was that there were cool things you could do with game streaming that you couldn't do um on like a console or things like that right like you you could have really huge multiplayer games because everyone's just connecting into that same server to stream the game so the the latency could be really low from for multiplayer purposes mm-hmm. um you could also do kind of um i forget what they actually called it but you could basically cross stream stuff a little bit so um, one of the games that did take advantage of this was the new um, ghost recon game how wild point or breakpoint or whatever the newer one is yeah. um if you played on stadia you actually like if you if we team up in a group uh on my like hud like on my a screen i can get a little square that is exactly what your view looks like so like it's basically streaming your game to me hmm. streaming my game to you so you can like coordinate a lot easier so like i can see you know if you have a shot on somebody or if you like like i could basically get a live feed of what you're seeing so um you know, there's lots of cool features and stuff like that that could only really happen with uh, with game streaming. Yeah. Um, and the whole kind of promise of Stadia games and entertainment, like the first party studio was to kind of, you know, make games that highlighted these features and that did stuff that you could only, you know, do on Stadia. Um, so, uh, I mean, a lot of people are using this as a kind of a doom and gloom uh, kind of Mm. they're saying you know this is it like stadia is just going to shut down entirely and i don't think that's really what they're going to end up doing um i think they're just you know i think they are truly just transitioning to to bringing more games onto the platform um but it's just a really i think bad look for them i I don't know why because they didn't really even start these studios that long ago um so and it it's it shouldn't be like a big surprise that it's going to take some time and money to make a game so i don't it seems like you know the way their blog post kind of sounds is that they were like surprised by how much money it was going to take to make a game <laughs> which i think is something you should probably know ahead of time before you open a big <laughs> studio and try yeah. and do it um 
have you do you have any experience with like game streaming at all have you have you done any of it just just from with you i think like i mean when you first got it i remember you had like you gave me like a free three month membership and like we just yeah. never ended up doing anything on it um yeah but like uh but i mean a little bit like yeah like at your place when i visited you and stuff like that like we played some things and it's like I mean, yeah, it's super easy, like, from everything that I played. I mean, I didn't play anything that was, like, you know, like, a full, like, 70 gig game, like, mm-hmm. on a console, basically. Like, I didn't play, like, a like a main series game or whatever. Like, there's Cyberpunk 2077 on Stadia and stuff like that. Like, I never yeah. played anything like that. But, I mean, everything that we played, like, was, like, super seamless. Like, it didn't have any latency. It didn't have any, like, lag. Nothing cut out. So... I mean, yeah. I have faith that, I have faith that like, it's a it's a strong product and it's like, you know, everything's built properly for it. But like, but yeah, I mean, it, it seems a little weird that that they would shut down like that. I'm curious if like, if there's any other companies like third party companies that have plans to make games for Stadia in a way, like basically, or if they if they end up partnering with like some other company like ubisoft or ea or you know even like sony or something and then like make a game that that's maybe a stadia exclusive and it works in a a specific way that stadia can do things yeah it's still possible they can kind of like contract out some exclusives for sure um like i do think that i do think streaming games is kind of a, a gonna be around for a while and i think it does open up you know a big market for people to to sell their games to people who you know if you don't have anything that can run cyberpunk 2077 Mm -hmm. you can still buy it and play it on your phone or play it on like your 10 year old laptop or whatever so i think it's pretty cool and i mean i think the technology is picking up traction as well because um as a slight aside we were looking into um, games to play Mm. um for upcoming episodes and one of the ones i uh, wanted to try and check out was control so control is like a big kind of modern action adventure third person shooter type game Mm. um kind of sci-fi-ish spooky in a way but anyway it's it's got like lots of particle physics lots of stuff flying around there's lots of physics based stuff so it's it's really like intensive for um kind of specs that you need um but they uh we're able to put it on the switch but the way they do it on the switch is it's actually a streaming game on the switch um it's not handled through stadia but like if you buy it on switch it's actually just streamed um so you need like an internet connection and stuff but um, yeah there's i uh, I saw on the store on switch too there was like hitman something and it said like cloud version basically so yeah like yeah you download like they to download it it's like 60 megabytes or whatever but then you actually have to yeah, you had to like subscribe to some sort of a cloud service thing. I, th- I think I didn't really look into it, but it's basically yeah, just a demo yeah. version of it. But yeah, it's a demo, and then you can like buy the full game through the yeah. through the streamer. Yeah, so like, um, I think it's a good way that you know devices like the Switch, you can obviously maximize the amount of space storage wise that you have on it, um, and then it also lets older hardware kind of stay relevant, right? Because, mm. um. Like I still, I haven't got a PS5 or an Xbox Series X or whatever the the new stuff is. Like, yeah. I have no need really. But um, and I mean this week's game that we're <clears> reviewing, um, Into the Breach, I, I played it on Stadia, um, and it was really handy for me because I mean I work at my computer, so sometimes I don't want to play a game on my computer once I'm off work, but I can yeah. play it on my phone, mm. and it's just streamed to my phone with a controller and just play that way. Um, and it, but it's still like the same game. So I, you know, get all my progress and stuff just seamlessly through there. Question for but you about Stadia. Also play it on. 
Yeah. Um, so Stadia is owned by Google, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and Google releases like they have like the Pixel phones and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Does Google also have its own provider in the sense that like they have their own towers for you to use a SIM card in their phones and get like phone service? Um, there is in the states. There's Google Fi, I think it's called, or or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I haven't. I don't know much about it, or even if I'm state, like, even if I'm correct in saying that. But they do have their own. Mm-hmm. Um, they're doing their own internet thing for a while too, but I think that's kind of slowed down, or they ran into issues getting that like expanded out of certain regions just because big internet companies obviously uh, like to Clamp have a strangle on on what's what's going on. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think you can get um, Google Fi or something, I think it's called, which is like their cell service. Mm. I don't know if they use other people's towers. Like, I mean, a lot of cell providers all use kind of the same towers. It's just kind of all contracts and stuff in the background to figure stuff out. Yeah, because so I, I don't know. I, I don't think I don't think this streaming stuff is re- like is really going to take off until um, like I don't I mean, yeah, I don't know exactly what the conditions would be for the states and stuff like that, but. I don't I think it's going to be harder to harder to capture a wider audience until you make like until you have phone plans that basically have unlimited data so you don't really have to worry about cuz yeah for, for and 5G I mean 5G will help with the speeds a lot and stuff I I think yeah I mean I would never be able to play it like on the bus or something like it would not be stable enough for that Yeah but. exactly so like I th- I feel like that would probably be a big appeal of it like the fact for that sure, you could yeah. like boot up you know like yeah like cyberpunk or something like that in like 10 seconds and play it on your phone on the bus while you're on your way to work or something like that that seems like it could be like a really good selling point and appeal because like obviously like you know not just because i am a big fan uh, and primarily play the switch if i'm as i mentioned on here before but Mm -hmm. like i think the like um this that like handheld consoles are really popular now and i mean they still they kind of always have been since they came out but um but like the yeah like the switch is like one of the best-selling consoles of all time i think at this point probably yeah and yeah so like i just i I think that health handheld wireless portability thing Mm -hmm. is a huge selling point for a lot of people so I, i think i think once they're able to achieve something of that you know that standard and that quality then it will be a lot more of like an attractive thing for people so well and i think like like i said the hardware for the switch i don't think is keeping up super like it's not it never was when it came out like nintendo never tried to make like top of the line hardware but yeah um so i think it is cool that they are trying to now stream games on it like you know some of the more modern and bigger games that would have never been able to be ported to switch or if they were they would have been like Mm. locked to like 20 frames a second or something ugly like yeah um so i think it's cool that people are like companies are exploring doing this um so yeah, I mean this is a huge bummer just because I was really looking forward to some of the first party stuff that that might have come out because mm. I just love. I mean I primarily think uh, or see myself as somebody who really likes game design. I mean I jump a lot from game to game. Like I don't tend to stick with a game for a long time mainly because I like to just see what you know see what a game does, what's cool, what's new, like fresh ideas from it, and I just you know like experiencing those those new experiences and then I kind of move on. Mm. Um, so I'm always excited to see what you know different companies can do because there's still 
probably so many undiscovered you know game features that people haven't even thought of to, to try and do that might be interesting and cool mm. and this is just obviously a whole new branch of stuff that could have been done but um hopefully they still find a way to yeah contract or mm. help other companies you know take advantage of it and we see it go for for a while but um well, yeah, yeah i mean like if, if, if you could bummer, but... like if google had its own phone plans and like could compound stadia into the phone plan basically like that would be a huge thing too like if yeah if you just like if you if i feel like it'd be an easier way to sell people on it too like they wouldn't have like a separate ten dollar twelve dollar transaction coming out of their account every month it would just basically be on their phone bill so it'd just be like okay paying my phone bill on this day and <laughs> you know that pays for everything and stadia and even you know giving people who have pixel phones or are with google fi or whatever they they're calling it you know a discount yeah. with stadia and all that kind of stuff like it's just yeah i think they do a little bit of it like they do a little cross promotion like i i have youtube premium as well just because i watch a ton of youtube and i just think for me it's good value i mean i know you could try and run ad block or whatever but i just i prefer to support the content that i watch and, and that kind of a thing so yeah. i do youtube premium um and they for a while were give, if you were a youtube premium subscriber they are giving away like a free starter edition to the stadia so you could get like a controller and stuff for free mm. um so there's some cross promotion stuff like that but i mean google's a huge company so it's it does end up being like i get that it's tough to coordinate a lot of stuff but that is one of the biggest like frustrations as a stadia supporter is that the branches of google never seem to be communicating or like working together on stuff you know it could like you said it would be cool to have like a package deal that's you know maybe 60 bucks a month or something mm. um and you get youtube premium you know youtube music stadia pro you know all these features uh, they could you know bundle it into like a really um kind of almost impossible to deny <laughs> price point yeah um because I like, like some other companies are really starting to do that. Like I, I also have Xbox Game Pass, um, like Game Pass Ultimate, which is like the one that gives you Game Pass for PC and console. Mm. Um, and that's like, I don't know, like 15 a month or something. But like it gives you so many games and like games as they're, you know, just releasing as well. Like you get like new releases on it all the time. Uh, and then they give you like other perks like they keep partnering with disney plus to give you free months of disney plus um but like it's just some other companies are really stepping up the value that they offer um amazon is obviously like the biggest example of that i think like amazon on the other hand i think is doing a really good job of blending all their value together um because you get like i uh, get amazon prime and that gives me um prime gaming benefits so i get free games through twitch and i get you know a bunch of perks like that through twitch mm. um you also get amazon prime video as part of that you obviously of course get the you know default free two-day shipping on pretty much everything <laughs> that they sell there um yeah. you know stuff like that uh they're um you know so they they kind of bottle this all together in a way that is like you're practically throwing away money by not subscribing to mm. to amazon prime so um so that's yeah i just I, I really hope google kind of has like a plan going forward to bundle that and offer it all together yeah even if it is it would be cool i, I think it in canada it's going to be tough for them to compete with the wireless communications just because it's such a monopoly here or, or oligarchy or whatever it is yeah but, um but yeah 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 um so i'm i'm still optimistic that good things are coming but it is a, a big 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 disappointment and they just did it at like a, a bad time and they didn't really like 
it, they should have like done like a shit sandwich with this of like <laughs> good news then drop this and then more good news but they've just kind of dropped this at a time when there wasn't that much good news and they still haven't really said anything since mm. like it's been like a couple weeks and they haven't really said much like in the article that they dropped they're like you know stadia is not going anywhere like your pro subscribers will still get free games every month and all this stuff in it but it's like mm. i don't know it's just it's just really disappointing like yeah it seems, especially because seems like a bold seems like a bold decision for like it's still being a relatively new service too like i think it's under yeah. a year or maybe two years old now but yeah like it, well and they sorry go ahead oh nothing it was just yeah it's just it just seems like a like a weird decision that like just poor planning or poor you know communication between somebody i um i mean stadia from the start has had like bad publicity online like everyone seems destined to hate it for a numerous reasons you know for licensing reasons because they you know they're like oh well i don't actually own the games they can just shut it down and take them away from me at any time or Mm. you know some people are just mad at google all the time because they you know shut down other services that they liked or or whatever (laughs) valid or invalid reasons people had i'm a a loyal Um, bing user i'm not gonna go to that (laughs) shit bing only (laughs) duck duck go exclusively um but uh what was where was it going with this um oh and but they finally kind of had like an uptick in like word of mouth from the whole cyberpunk situation because cyberpunk was released on stadia yeah and um i mean there was two big good things about it one was that if you pre-ordered it or bought it within like the first couple weeks of it coming out um you got a free stadia starter edition which gave you the chromecast ultra the controller um Hmm. i think probably some free months of stadia pro um and you know charge cord all the the default stuff but um so that alone basically is like 70 to 100 dollar value depending on when you buy it so you practically get you know get the game or get that for free however you want to look at it so i mean i wasn't even really interested in in um, cyberpunk too much but i'm like i'll probably play it eventually it's such a big game Uh, like i I like cyberpunk as a theme like as a setting so i'm like i'll be interested in trying this so that that definitely pushed me over the edge. I'm like, well, might as well order it, get another Chromecast Ultra, another Stadia controller, all this stuff added. And you, right? you played hurt. you played Witcher quite a bit too, right? Witch, yeah, Witcher 3. And I, yeah. So I think I think CD Projekt does good stuff. Like I really like their their world building and stuff. So I, I wasn't not interested. It was just like such a big game that I was not gonna. I'm like, I'll wait for it to all blow over. But yeah, it, I remember it, reading it stuff like it. when it first came out. I'm sure everyone is aware at this point. But yeah, like. <laughs> like play like playstation like pulled it from like the playstation 4 oh, store yeah. for a bit and it's having like game breaking bugs and then um i saw this one article that one of the investors was like suing cd project red because they basically he was saying that they lied to him what this game was was gonna be yeah. and then he basically tried to get a bunch of other investors involved to make like a class action lawsuit against cd project red and all this kind of yeah, nonsense. yeah yeah so that's um um yeah, well, that's the second good thing I think that was on Stadia's side for this whole thing is that I think pretty much out of everywhere, it played the best on Stadia because it's, you know, it didn't have the kind of bugs and issues that consoles were having, but it was more stable and like consistent of like a PC build, obviously, because it's just running on the same clouds, you know, architecture. Mm-hmm. Um, so it kind of was the most stable and well running on well, yeah, on Stadia I mean, by most people's um, estimate. Yeah, well, I mean, it's like a brand new brand new game. And like I feel like they're trying to push the limits with 
technical mm-hmm. capabilities and then also trying to put it on like PlayStation 4 and Xbox One. Yeah. And then and then where that has limitations and then on PS5 and Xbox X or whatever it is that like have new console issues like yeah. You know, it's just a it's just I, I don't know, probably just a wrong time <laughs> release for Cyberpunk, but they also like yeah. had to push back the release date a few times so they probably just as soon as they could they did it yeah exactly so it was just yeah it's a bummer because stadia was on this like uptick because of this and then they just really shot themselves in the foot with this it's just like i don't know (laughs) just a bad unfortunate announcement and i'm probably as big a stadia fanboy as you can probably find nowadays and it's just like i'm just such a bad decision I, i just feel like like i said they should have had something good news ready to come right after this or something but they did not soften the blow at all mm. but we'll keep an eye on it and hopefully uh, hopefully it turns around i'm still i still like stadia for like i said playing games on, on all kinds of plot like all devices around my house i just find it really flexible and convenient but yeah i guess we spent enough time talking about <laughs> this so i'll throw it over to you for your article yeah brought an article this time yeah um, look at you. <laughs> um so basically headline of the article uh, is Nintendo registers a new trademark for The Legend of Zelda Phantom Hourglass. So that was like mm-hmm. a, a DS game, basically sequel of like Wind Waker. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, obviously the big, the reason that this is probably even an article is the fact that this year is like the 35th, I think, anniversary for Zelda. Probably, yeah, because um, Mario's 35th was just last year, right? Yeah. So, and Zelda originally came out. And obviously... Soon after Mario. M- Mario so put sense. super, like, you know, the Mario 3D All-Stars. 3D so, whatever. obviously, there's a bunch of rumors and buzz going on that they're going to do something Zelda-wise. So, the re- yeah, the reason that this even threw up a flag was because of that reason. So, basically, yeah. you know, I mean, the game's, like, 14 years old now, like the Phantom Hourglass one, so... Mm-hmm. Late November last year, they basically renewed their uh, yeah. re- renewed the trademark, the trademark for the game. So, so yeah, I mean, it basically it's just uh, stirring up more rumors about that. So, I guess my yeah. my my general question is like, do you think or like do you do you think that they're going to, and do you think that they should do some sort of a similar? zelda type release on like switch that they did with mario um i think they're going to probably i'm sure they sold like gangbusters on that super mario all-stars 3d um so i think they'd be dumb not to i mean companies renew these kind of trademarks all the time so like you said it's not necessarily an indication of anything but given the timing obviously it just leads to some speculation Mm. um i mean i'm not a huge zelda fanboy or even interested too often um i never played phantom hourglass i never played a lot on the 3ds to be honest i feel like i owned a 3ds and played it a lot but when i think back i'm like i i don't even remember what i played on 3ds i played like feel the magic wacky (laughs) i just played yeah basically i just played like wacky like just weird games like i played some like dusk like the weird game where you held it sideways and it was like a book yeah. and like brain age a bit and um, i think the biggest I think trace memory and I, stuff like all kinds of weird stuff i think the biggest like memory i have for playing a, a ds game a lot would have either been mario 64 uh, on ds when they put that out um yeah i remember i remember i used to sit up like all the time when i was supposed to be in bed as a kid 
with my DS and I'd be playing like there's like in the Mario 64 re-release they did on the DS there was um like these mini games like casino games and stuff (laughs) so I would basically just like sit in bed and play those and then obviously just parents coming to bed close the close the DS (laughs) up and then um second biggest one is probably uh, Lost in Blue oh shit yeah i played a lot of lost in blue i I like yeah that was like kind of a survival game before survival games were were popular it's ahead of its time i think for sure um i i guess the bigger question that this leads me to for this one in particular is the whole because they're done selling the 3d all-stars in like march or something right they're just like permanently taking it off like putting it in the nintendo vault again type thing like going disney style on it um i guess how do you feel about that because i know how i feel about it but i mean it seems kind of weird to me that they're doing that because it, it feels like they're feeding into scalpers in a weird way oh, yeah. um because obviously like there's tons of people still just selling the game now i haven't seen anything stupid that people are like because it's still purchasable that people are selling it for like you know 60 or 70 dollars basically what they paid for it or a little cheaper yeah um but yeah i just know immediately once this game gets taken off the shelves wait a month or two and people are going to be selling it for 150 200 sky's the limit really yeah. at that point because yeah i mean that that was like my biggest that's the first thing that came to my like my mind when they even announced a game and said that it was going to be a limited thing um mm-hmm. i think i think that's just the 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 hard copy though i can't i can't remember but i think that the like the digital version of it might be available still for purchase but i don't know i mean we'll have to wait yeah i'm not sure on that i mean if that's the case i don't mind that i mean obviously doing a limited run of a physical thing kind of happens all the time but i think they are just stopping the digital sale too which i think is crazy goofy but i I don't Hmm. on one hand like for better or for worse, I, I tend to almost defend companies a lot who do kind of shenanigans like this. It, not in like a, this is a good thing for business or anything, but it's just like, they have the right to do it. Like, no one can tell them not to, and yeah. people are going to buy this. Like, no one's going to protest not buying this. Like, it's just, they know what they have. They know everyone is going to love Mario, and they, you know, make it a limited edition item. Like, mm. people are going to buy it up. Like, I, I can't blame them at all, so i'm kind of falling to that same camp of like i think it's like a shady move and i'm worried that it becomes a trend more in the future like you know another thing that this brings to mind too and i don't know i mean it it, it either it either is like a a good thing or a bad thing basically because obviously there's on the 3d all-stars one there's nintendo 64 game a gamecube game and a wii game all on the same game so I think another possibility or reason that they're doing this limited run could be that they are going to put more virtual consoles on the Switch for Nintendo 64, GameCube, Wii, whatever, maybe all of them or maybe none of them. So, like, yeah, like, I I don't know if the fact that they did this kind of a release and then they're taking it away is just basically, like, a way for them to to make a bunch of money before they put these virtual consoles out (laughs) or if it just basically reinforces that it's never going to happen. Yeah, well, I don't know. I I feel like then they would, if they were going to give it away for free after, they'd probably still leave it for sale if people wanted to buy it. I don't think they'd be extra nice as to, like, stop you from buying it and make it free. But then again, I guess maybe if they're trying to force you to subscribe to, like, a virtual console thing or something, who knows? Mm. Um, But yeah, I I don't mind so much that this product has it. Uh, I do worry, like, you know, uh, because I think whatever Zelda pack of 
Zelda version of this is going to come out. They'll probably do the same thing. It'll be on sale for like six months or whatever, limited edition. Um, and then I just worry that like other companies are going to start experimenting with it and it's just going to... Hmm. Might get a little goofy, but we'll see. Like, there's not much you can do about it, honestly. It's yeah. just... I mean, if it's a game people want to buy, they're going to buy it. If they don't, like, sure, like... I don't know, stuff like this with... Mic- it's kind of like microtransactions. Like, people tolerated microtransactions for a while, and then it kind of all blew up with Battlefront at a certain point that one time. Yeah, People were mad about that, and it kind of went backwards a little bit. So, I don't know. Hopefully this doesn't take a similar trajectory, but only only time will tell i'm also i'm also a little worried that uh i'm also a little worried that like the uh whatever they if they do this zelda anniversary release like i'm I'm a little worried that you know no matter what they put on this cartridge unless they do like 12 zelda games or some crazy shit <laughs> people are going to be mad or upset because their favorite zelda game is not on here because like for, for the most part like you know there's t- there's tons of original zelda games on like game boy game boy color game boy advance ds all this kind of stuff whereas mario yeah. they just sort of re-released like the nes one on game boy color where they had like super mario deluxe and then yeah. basically on game boy advance they put like super mario world and like super mario bros 3 all that kind of stuff on there so like you know a lot of the mario games they just sort of re-released on these handhelds and there isn't a whole bunch of original handheld mario games that were really that really big sellers anyways so it's a lot easier to take you know 64 because that was like the only real release besides like mario parties and stuff like that was huge (laughs) on nintendo and then mario sunshine and mario galaxy so it's just like i don't know it'll be interesting to see what they put out i mean if 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 they take the exact same model and do like a zelda 3d all-stars right it would probably be like ocarina of time like wind waker but i mean they've re-released wind waker a few times already though so maybe they'll skip that but yeah wind waker um, wind, well, and then probably like wind Skyward waker Sword. and twilight princess hd on like the wii u so yeah yeah wind waker i mean that's the one i like wind waker quite a bit so mm. if anything would get me excited i guess it'd be that but i know they've like re-released it a couple times but i think for sure it would be skyward sword and ocarina of time and then yeah middle game is either twilight princess or ocarina or i'm sorry wind waker those would be those would be my bets if i was betting on a three pack but yeah well i mean either way i'm not super well, interested. I mean, yeah they stick is. to the formula of nintendo 64 gamecube wii then like yeah like skyward swords mm-hmm. um i mean skyward sword is an obvious one because I, I think because it was kind of on the wii or wii u or whatever it was like i think it didn't get as much play as probably a lot of other ones so mm-hmm. yeah um but yeah um so i guess um yeah. Well, 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 this kind of rolls in a bit to the other article I brought, so I'll uh, we can go over this a little bit. But um, right. um, so in the UK here, members of Parliament have proposed a uh, UK bill to ban console and GPU scalping. Um, so I think this is some this is something that boils my blood. Um, I I hate like. I just wish that you could just buy the console for the MSRP, right? Like, still, it's almost possible to get, like, consoles. Like, you, like people are just selling them on Facebook Marketplace and stuff for, like, mm. insane, insane amounts. Um, um, So, I mean, it seems like they're trying to target, like, basically people using software and bots to just, you know, instantly buy 100 consoles the moment they go live on a website, right? Because, yeah. um, obviously, I don't, it, you don't want to, obviously... Uh, legislate or ban 
you know, people just reselling stuff because that can get a little out of hand, right? You don't really want to be getting in the way of that too much, but the people, people who are just buying up, you know, hundreds of things just to resell them, you know, mm. kind of, they don't contribute anything to the supply chain, right? They're just kind of being scumbags, honestly. Yeah. Um, I mean, obviously retail markup, like in the supply chain of things, like, you know, Sony sells the console to a distributor, like a big, you know, warehousing shipping company, and then they sell it to, you know, GameStops and Walmarts who then sell it to you, right? So like, there's a yeah. lot of markups along the way, but um, every part in that chain kind of adds a little bit, you know, adds something obviously to the value. Obviously the retail store gives you, you know, a place to, to, to actually go and get it and to, you know, deal with the actual sale of it to the end user. Hmm. You know, the, the distributor obviously deals with the warehousing it and shipping it on like a wide scale. So like I get all the value adds there, but like somebody just buying a hundred of them off of bestbuy.com and then selling them for 500 bucks extra each per pop to people who are <laughs> yeah. trying to like desperately get one for their kids for Christmas just as like kind of scummy. But I mean yeah there's nothing really that can be done about it right now so i do hope um i do hope something gets dealt with it i mean the main reason i think they're looking at this now according to this article a bit is just that you know cybersecurity people are estimating that this is only going to become more of a problem as as a, as you know more and more you know retail moves to online mm. um you know, this can start expanding to, like, right now it is almost primarily, like, electronics and, like, leisure devices and stuff. So, I mean, you can't, no one is, no one needs, uh, like, a PS5 or something. So, it's not <laughs> desperate, right? Yeah. But, you know, if, if people start using these softwares or bots to, like, buy up, you know, supplies of, you know, all kinds of whatever else might be coming out that might be necessary. Um, yeah. You know, it could just become more and more out of control and more and more of a nuisance on the economy. Um, well, it's it's always you... funny because I mean, like this this sort of stuff. Like, I mean, it, it sort of bleeds over into like my area of interest as well. Like the music instruments side mm -hmm. of stuff too is like it doesn't really happen with game consoles yet. At least is like it's basically like when instruments become a certain year old or like you know so old from when they were created or made whatever manufactured you know they become quote-unquote vintage so mm -hmm. um it, it just seems you know it, obviously with a brand new console you can't you know a, you can't really compound on like um like oh what's the word like a sentimental value basically you can't really accrue that on to like a brand new console where people do that with like instruments all the time but i mean it's still the same thing as like people people just like constantly overvalue what they're selling and it's like if someone's if someone posts something at a price that they're overvalue like over evaluating what it's worth mm -hmm. and someone else has the same thing and wants to sell it then they're basically gonna, basically going to look at that and say, okay, I should price it at the same or a little bit less probably. And then there's obviously the random people who say I'm pricing it more because they're selling it for, they're just going to fly off the shelf because they're selling it for way less than what it's worth. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I mean, it's, I guess it's one thing of people doing it intentionally versus having a sentimental attachment to it and thinking what something is worth. But regardless yeah, it's I mean, just yeah regardless it's just yeah it is it's just it is kind of pretty yes yeah, scummy and 
low lifey of a thing to do. Yeah, and it, and it mostly comes up around like holidays and stuff, which I we don't have the time to get into my holiday feelings for the most part. But like <laughs> it's it's like most of the console releases always seem to come around like November ish, right, right before holidays. Yeah, and then so it's this like you know you don't if you want to get it for your kid for Christmas, you don't have time to wait it out. And so that's how people, I think a lot of people see it. And then, I mean, if you were somebody who's, you know, bought a hundred consoles, I mean, even if you sell 50 of them for double the price you paid, then your, your investment is, is paid back. So then you're just in the gravy at that point, yeah. like, unfortunately. So it's just, it, it's, it's weird the way it all shakes out, but anyway i guess on hopefully this is supposed to be an optimistic article hopefully something gets dealt about it i mean especially uh, again i don't it is what it is it's it's capitalism it's the free market and i don't necessarily mind you know if somebody goes in to like a best buy and, and buys like 10 consoles and feels like they just want to resell them for a little bit of profit nothing can really stop them but it's the people who like you know, as soon as it goes live, like two seconds after it went live on the website, somebody's already bought all 150 mm. <laughs> units that were released, like because they have software set up to just auto do it. That stuff is the one part where it's a little like, hopefully something can be done about that. Yeah, but we'll see. We'll see how it goes. I mean, I feel like it's going to be harder for like a government to track that down where VPNs are a thing now too. like if you can use it, like, you know, if you're in the UK and basically they're able to monitor ip addresses etc like or whatever whatever route they would use to to keep an eye on people it's like you know if you can use a vpn to say that you're in another country in the middle of africa or whatever and then you also have a bot on your computer that's purchasing this stuff like it's just i don't know it's gonna be harder and harder yeah enforcement might be a little tough i mean i think it would probably end up being something that like the companies are like supposed to report right like if you have a log that shows you that two seconds after it was available somebody like logged in did all the checkout stuff got 100 copies put in all their information and confirmed their shipping and everything all within like you know hundreds of milliseconds it's like <laughs> okay well like this needs to be flagged or like you know even if it like that per- kind of purchase is denied or whatever right yeah. a little bit more checking but anyway hopefully it hopefully gets checked out but we'll take a uh we'll take a quick break and we'll be back to talk about our thoughts on and you want to cover it oh am i gonna do it all right i'll cover I, it I, man i thought i thought i thought that's what was you give me two seconds okay into the breach <laughs> See it a bit. And we're back. <laughs> so this week, uh, or this past two weeks, I guess we've been playing uh, Into the Breach. So, um, I mean, this is one of these games. We tend up to pick out a lot of games that aren't really finishable in two weeks. Um, this one being a roguelike is um, a roguelite, I, I suppose I would call it. Um mm. You can you can finish it obviously kind of quickly, but it's got a longer over overarching metagame. So, all this to say, we'll talk about our experience with it on the the past two weeks mm. and uh, see how we both liked it. So, how much uh, how much did you get to to play it? Um, I played it quite a bit, but like I mean, I'd only I mean uh, I think my consensus is that I just kind of sucked at this game for a long time. Um, uh. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, I guess a good description for it is that it's basically like very similar to chess in a way i mean like i wouldn't be upset if someone used that of a way to describe this game is like 
a top-down like mech-based chess in, in a way <laughs> but um yeah i only ended up unlocking like two fleets of the rope of like the the robot try like, like two squads groups or whatever yeah, yeah you want to call them um but yeah i mean like basically when i first started out playing the game i was like i was kind of confused at first because i was like i didn't realize it was a roguelike right off the bat and mm-hmm. then so i like played it and then i like i lost because like i lost all the power grid stuff and then i was just like game over i gotta restart like what the <laughs> fuck i gotta restart yeah. this game so kind of yeah like that was a little bit of confusion for me at the beginning but then i kind of kind of picked up on it that yeah i mean it's 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 meant to you know be quick because if you like even hit pause when you're playing like it just straight up says like abandon this timeline so it's just like okay so it's like basically just like different timelines of this of you know of this invasion that you're trying to (laughs) protect yeah i wanted to ask you um like how the tutorial was like so i mean there's some of the overarching stuff that maybe wasn't explained um super well and i think i think roguelites take this kind of stuff for granted like they do assume i think that players who are getting into the game almost know what they're getting into at the start of it so there's a lot that they don't introduce or explain right they just kind of assume that the player is going to know it's a roguelike and that's why they're playing it in the first place and stuff so yeah but um the actual like mechanics and turns and tutorial stuff how how was that for you because i i had played this before uh, a fair bit mm-hmm. um it's been a while since i had played it but going into it i found myself kind of just skipping through the tutorial bit because i remembered pretty much most of how how it worked so yeah but it, it seemed like it might have been lacking a bit of the depth of like explaining everything and, and really letting you figure it all out but how how was it for you um it was it was okay i mean i understood like i understood the basic you know every like you have three three bots kind of thing and mm-hmm. then you can you can you know they all have basically different like types of attacks i guess similar to chess in that way where like yeah. one robot's like basically like just kind of looks like a dude at the beginning like he just looks like a giant like transformer <laughs> and you can basically just punch, punch in a you know on a square on any direction from you horizontally or vertically i guess or x x yeah. and y but um and then you know there's another one that can shoot like it needs like one space in between you and and the enemy first and then you can shoot basically like in a straight line on on either axis that way mm-hmm. too but but yeah i mean um I guess I guess the big thing that was more confusing for me at first was like um just like different enemies like they just like spawned like you know three enemies all kind of at once like they're just different enemies and they didn't really the tutorial didn't really exactly cover fully what each enemy could do like what their what types of attacks they had how much damage they did and yeah. you know and 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 some of them had like you know like some enemies can do both types of attacks where they can just attack on a square right next to them and then they can also like basically shoot as far as they want in a single direction on the map so it's like a little confusing too right off the bat as far as um you know okay this person this enemy's standing one square away from me and they want to attack me um you know i'm just going to move around i'm just going to move around them and hit them from this from the other side but then mm-hmm. their attack 
goes all the way across the map and then hits one of like your power grid buildings kind of thing and takes out civilians that you're supposed to save and (laughs) power grid electricity you're supposed to try to maintain and keep yeah i think each enemy does only have the one attack um but obviously like you know if they have like a a a long range single line thing they can use it when they're right next to a building yeah it shows up as like little dots to kind of indicate that it's range rather than like an arrow which i think indicates it's kind of melee or like fixed range but um but yeah it's uh i can definitely see how that's uh, a little rough um i mean it's always hard with games like this too because you don't want to like handhold the player for like three hours and like show them everything yeah. you want them to kind of have that sense of discovery and like you see a new enemy and like but you you also want them to have the tools to know like if they see a new enemy how to figure out what they do and, and everything so it's um, yeah. figured out for themselves so it's a, it's a tough line to to walk um did you use the the rewind feature uh, a lot not not a whole lot just because i didn't really i didn't really fully understand the repercussions of doing that would be um, yeah. I, I retract one move I've, at, um, like I was playing it today actually. And then, then <laughs> I moved and then I realized, oh, this enemy can like, it is going to hit the building. So I basically like, yeah, moved back, like reversed my move and went back and then Undo move. took the hit. Um, <clears throat> but at the same time, a lot of, a lot of like the learning curve stuff with this game to me is just kind of like, um, a good thing in a way, just because it demonstrates to me that this is kind of like a very like unique game like it's not you know it's not like another call of duty where you don't need tutorials because you played the last one so um (laughs) yeah it's definitely unlike any anything else um for sure um one of the like one of the things that really struck me from like a a game design point and that like uh i think like if you dissect it what is really interesting about like you know playing what keeps you coming back and playing level after level in my opinion is that um like each turn is obviously kind of its own puzzle um Mm. obviously it's interconnected to each previous turn and future turns as well so there's those considerations but um i found myself kind of going through like a tier list or a checklist um of um you know how good you can kind of do on a turn right um obviously like step one is just not losing like obviously if you're about to lose if your last building's about to be destroyed you kind of got to prevent that at all costs right um but once you get that you know once you're confident you can take care of that you know you kind of want to prevent any building from taking damage so maybe you put some of your mechs in the way to block shots even if you can't kill all the guys and things like that um then you know if you're confident you can kind of protect everything then you look at trying to maybe eliminate all the enemies on the board if you can kind of make that work and then if you are in a position where you're able to eliminate all the enemies then you can also try and block the new spawns and stuff by standing on top of them or by even knocking enemies on top of them yeah um so it's really cool that you have kind of like you know some turns you're going to be like shit like i can't have like this awesome turn of killing everybody blocking all the spawns and it's just going to be dope like there's no that answer isn't there every turn but it's it's always a puzzle of like the first puzzle is figuring out what your goal is going to kind of be that turn right it's not like the same it's not the same goal every turn you're not trying to okay i have to kill everybody i have to block all these spots and that's my goal every turn you kind of it's it's multi-layered and i really like that and then 
you know, obviously a lot of extra mechanics help weave that together where you can kind of hold down one of the triggers or hold down control on the keyboard, whatever you're playing on, I think it is. And you can see the order in which everything's going to happen. So you can line it up so that enemies will attack each other and, and kill each other before, you know, one damages a building or does something. So, yeah. Um, yeah. Did you find yourself like, is this something that you, you think you'd, you'd play more of? Did you like the, uh, the puzzles or, or like the the just actual map gameplay up yeah i mean one thing i wish with this game i think i mentioned to you just like when we're obviously talking in between recording the podcast i mm-hmm. wish this was like a mobile game i think more than like a switch game or a computer game or whatever where you said you, yeah. you, you play on stadia like that uh that's a good perk where it's basically mobile um just i don't know i just feel like it would kind of suit that environment a little bit better for me at least um it's still fun i mean like yeah if i'm sitting there with my switch you know i can hop on and play a timeline which could take like you know five minutes 15 minutes or a few hours depending on how far you get but um but yeah i mean it's uh it's it's i mean i i I did enjoy the game it's really fun um it just yeah at the beginning like i said I, i just think maybe i wasn't really good at it or like i didn't go about playing it or strategic like playing like the type of strategy that the game kind of requires right off the bat yeah um so yeah i mean i mean like i just i played normal mode and i think i don't know yeah like i'm curious to see what difficulty you played on but i played on normal every single timeline that i did and i think normal is like still pretty hard still pretty uh difficult jumping right in so maybe someone who's like doesn't play a lot of strategy games quite frequently maybe i would recommend playing on easy right out the bat just to like get your grips with progressing through the game a bit more yeah for sure uh i played normal as well just i I never try easy or hard um so i don't know how much different they were and i found um normal was like i think the right amount of challenge for me i felt like i could succeed and excel a lot of the times um but i was never like in a super desperate situation i would definitely like if i was playing this long term i think i'd eventually move to hard just to see what it's like but sometimes with puzzle games like this or i mean i'm calling this a puzzle game i guess it's kind of tactics but they're a little they're neighbors for sure Hmm. um but uh sometimes like when you move up to hard or something on this it's almost like punishingly difficult like you're just (laughs) gonna like you're gonna have to like let some of your pilots die every once in a while or like you know take like three building damage sometimes and stuff and that like i already have enough like stress and like paralysis figuring out turns as they are now whereas like if i'm in a position where i'm just like okay i know like starting to factor in like okay maybe this guy's gonna have to die this turn and stuff Mm -hmm. i think it'll be fun eventually if i you know played it a lot got an expert became sort of an expert at it but yeah um because yeah i found myself there were some turns where like I just kept replaying it like in my head over and over. I'm like, okay, I can do this. That'll move this guy here. Uh, then I can hit him with this guy, which will line him up. So he'll kill the other guy first. And then like, I go to start doing that. And then it's like, oh yeah, but if I punch this guy, then now I can't stand this other mech where I needed to put him in order to shoot the third guy. So I'm like, okay, well now were you, were you ever, <laughs> I didn't think that through. So I got to reset the turn. Were you ever like taking like green tranquilizers and like staring at your ceiling in your bed or anything? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I felt like that would have helped just like see mechs coming down from the ceiling and, and moving around. Yeah. <laughs> um, it uh so there's sometimes when i just had to be like okay lucas just like 
this is what you're going to do this turn, just do it. It might not be the best, but I, yeah. I kept getting like that analysis paralysis every once in a while. But that's more, I think, on me. I'm that way. Like I play a lot of board games and card games, and I can get that way with those as well if I'm, I'm not careful. Um, yeah, I mean, and the same thing too is like, yeah, I mean, there's been a few times where I played a few timelines, I guess, and then basically I made like one sort of shit move or two shit moves in a row on like the first like mission i was like okay i'm just gonna abandon this timeline and start over because i've already <laughs> lost a pilot and i got 15 percent power grid level left i'm not coming back yeah. from this and another mission yeah um and i mean that's the fun part about um like roguelikes like i i because that's kind of how they're built to do you're built to like you know learn and just retry and retry and... yeah um I, I think another thing that was probably to my detriment too is like i really fixated on like accomplishing those like every mission there's like random like with each timeline like randomly generated like challenges basically that you need to do to earn extra power yeah, grid energy or yeah. um like a, a star basically i think is what it was or not a star but um was yeah, it star? stars, yeah. for basically well it's like, like a corporation currency. reputation or something yeah. yeah um yeah i mean where i like where i was really bad at the game i didn't really get into the whole basically like upgrading my bots all that much and being able mm -hmm. to purchase like extra moves for them and stuff like that. Uh, so, okay. Yeah. Um, I know that's a feature of the game and it obviously adds a lot more diversity and fun to the game, but it's not, not anywhere that I got with it yet. <laughs> mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I mean, I really like the bonus objectives. I think it's another thing that just makes each turn and each mission feel a little different. I mean, obviously basically you're just trying to prevent damage and destroy the vec that's the default but then you know sometimes you might have a train so you gotta like keep mm. keep the track clear so the train doesn't like run into something and blow up right sometimes you get like extra little units that you gotta protect like little tanks that don't do any damage but they can shove people around but you still gotta protect them yeah. um then there's some some of my favorite missions are on the like ice island where like sometimes you have to like freeze and protect like some of the mechs that are like actually bad guys but they're like just have been taken over so they're they want <laughs> you to like protect them while they reprogram them and stuff so um it's those are some of my favorite i, I like kind of all the the uh, different bonus objectives and stuff it gives you mm. gives you a cool variety of things to try and accomplish all within the same like kind of limited system of, of the game those type of objectives um, are, are really like rewarding too when you accomplish like get like getting the train across or like breaking the dam down basically and it like kills like three enemies when you <laughs> destroy it at the right time or yeah. like the uh, like when squares of the map basically crumble in between every churn and you like hit an enemy onto like those squares that are going to fall down it just it, it's it's pretty yeah. rewarding when like you get to accomplish that and you like basically uh, basically obviously the game's programmed so like those enemies are going to try to compromise those objectives pretty frequently too so like to do the right the right set of moves that basically freeze freeze that objective to continue on is kind of is, is pretty rewarding yeah in my most recent playthrough i um or my most recent run i had a situation where um there was like it was a what are the protect the train ones and i like i basically blame myself because i didn't really position my guys i didn't think about the next turn when i had completed the previous turn and um basically there was a situation where there was a mountain to the left a building there's like a mountain a blank space and then a building um and then in front of that was like the train so this 
this Vec was able to kind of go right in this like horseshoe shape where the train was in front of him blocking one side, mountain on one side, and a building on the other side. Mm -hmm. So the only way I could attack him was from behind. But if I attacked him from behind, it was all my guys' attacks basically caused them to get shoved. So he was going to get shoved into the train anyway and blow up the train. Um, so I had no way to like push him back out of the train. Um, so I sat like I was thinking for this for like ever trying to find a way. And I'm just like, there's there's no way um, without destroying the train. But what I ended up doing was I ended up purposefully attacking my own building. Like I destroyed the building so that I had an avenue to attack him and shove him into the mountain to kill him that way just to protect the train. Mm. <laughs> and I'm just like, I was like this this probably makes me a monster like timeline wise like i just crushed a building full of like 300 people <laughs> just to protect this like automated trade but uh um it was like a really cool moment of like i, I like when games like force you to kind of make like sacrifices like that mm. um and this is a cool one where you know, you can block the spawns, but it takes damage on your mechs. Or, or, you know, you can block shots on buildings. And it just kind of feels really, like, heroic and cool when you're, like... You know, you get forced into these situations where, like, not everything is ideal. But you're going to, like, you know, make it work even if, you know, it's going to have you take some damage or, you know, be be less than optimal. I, those are some of my favorite moments in games. And a lot of the reasons I like playing roguelikes and strategy games and stuff. Because it's like, okay, well... um you're not there's not like a solid like end win condition there's so many ways you can get there and it's just kind of about what you give up or what you accomplish on the way mm, yeah um how did you feel i guess we haven't really touched much on the um like setting or, or art or anything um how do you feel about like the the setting and and uh the like storyline and stuff i mean i didn't i mean i'm kind of <laughs> i'm a little impatient at, at these type of games to be honest um, so mm -hmm. I didn't like, I kind of skipped past a lot of the reading through other playthroughs, basically. Like I read it at the, at the beginning and stuff. Um, but I like the setting. I like the setting of the game cause it kind of gives me like a bit of like a, almost a command, a command and conquer esque feeling to it. But at the same yeah. time, it doesn't require like, like 15 minutes of yeah, like dialogue between each mission. So it's just like super quick and easy basically to get back into it. Um, obviously like command and conquer is a completely different game and it's like real people cut scenes depending on what game you're playing in the series and stuff and it's just like fully like a full production basically but um that's the kind of the vibes it gave me it kind of gave me that one uh, command and conquer vibe of it obviously like a final fantasy tactics one because it's a similar grid playing style um and then like uh that one that we played on game boy advance that we covered on a previous episode but it was like mech arena or mech something <laughs> yeah i can't i know what you're talking about but yeah it's very much like that kind of um pixel like three-quarter view isometric view that's the word yeah. um so yeah i mean i um i like the look of it i think the look um i think they kind of did the, the look of it perfectly like it has enough going on that like you know it feels like it's alive in like a world and there's stuff happening in it mm. but it, because it's like so obviously like kind of almost a cutthroat like tactics like every every little move and decision is going to matter like you need to be able to quickly see you know the grid of, of the spaces you could move on and what each space is mm. um very clearly right so you don't want it to be too muddled so um graphically i really like the way they did did that and it kind of gives I think me it does translate it kind of gives me a bit of like a like a board game feeling too like it almost it's almost like uh 
like I could see this very well like being an actual board game to play you know more maybe even like one-on-one basically where like someone's controlling the main mechs or whatever or like the heroes or whatever and then someone else is controlling the enemies um but yeah so basically basically it it gives me kind of like a animated board game sort of feeling too yeah yeah i, I yeah i definitely um agree like there's a couple board games that are definitely uh remind me of this like there's one i think it's just called raptors um and it's like one person plays a team of scientists uh, and you're basically trying to like trank these raptors and capture them and then somebody else plays um the raptors and has like a mama raptor and like four or five little baby raptors Mm. um so it's like isometrical each team has like different uh different powers and abilities but uh, it's all on this like grid and you're trying to move around and make every turn count um but yeah it's uh it's definitely very board gamey which appeals to me as I've, I've definitely mentioned a few times right yeah. um yeah so um i i liked um it's another thing that like games like this i don't think their goal often is to be super narrative heavy or or you know dive super in-depth into story or anything but yeah i think they did a, a decent job um the soundtrack is um for me really enjoyable i don't think it's like super complex or like you know in-depth but i just like the it does a really good job of getting the feel across while also not being super intrusive to like your thinking process a lot of the time mm. um what did you feel about the soundtrack did you pay it much attention i i, I mean yeah i mean i did as best i can i find i find with the switch i do struggle to be able to hear the music as much because for that kind of stuff like you know the speakers on a switch are decent but like you're probably going to want to wear headphones to appreciate something that's musical where it's covering quite like a broad frequency spectrum where it's like there could be some low-end stuff happening that you can't hear through those speakers or fully appreciate to what it's doing in the you know in the music for the game or anything but um, from what I heard, it sounded yeah, it sounded kind of cool. Like it was basically like, like the main menu music too was like, kind of reminded me of like, I mean, it's obviously like guitar to some degree, but it's like a guitar with like a cool like, basically delay pattern going on, and it um, but it, but it, they also like, kind of bit crushed it almost sounding in a way too, where it kind of still sounded like, pixelated if that makes sense, where it's kind of fits like the graphic quality of the game so yeah yeah um yeah like it kind of gave me this um i guess like i described it as a uh like last stand for humanity vibe like it does feel like you know you're kind of the last line of defense and you're here to like eke out like a chance for victory so i really like the the feeling that it gave you of like desperation but then also triumph at the right time so um which again is kind of I like being on the back foot like I like being up against huge odds and stuff so I think it's uh yeah it really helped suit the the mood for the game and then you get little like the different pilots and stuff have little different sayings like when you power up their mechs or like even when different things happen in game you know if a building gets destroyed they'll have a little pop-up for text like you know some pilots are like um like I had one guy um Abe or Ebe I think his name was Mm -hmm. um one pilot that i've used a lot um because he has an ability that gives his mech like default plus one armor so it's just really helpful for mechs that like ram into people because there's a lot of mechs that do damage to themselves every time they attack um (laughs) and things like that um so he was useful for that uh, squad um but he has like a very like pessimistic attitude like when a building gets destroyed or something he's like 
they should have left like long ago it's their fault for staying here or they chose to stay here that's on them sort of a thing and then you have other pilots who are like no like we could have been able to save them if we planned better like this and that so it's cool like i I like just you know how each pilot has their own even though they don't have like huge dialogue scenes or big cut scenes or anything like you still kind of get to know your pilots and their attitudes and stuff they they did a good job of giving everybody like a little bit of a different feeling to it so it was really cool it was funny i lost i lost one of like the uh not like the main pilot that you choose at the beginning there like where you can sort of choose Mm -hmm. between multiple um just one of the filler guys yeah yeah, just like one of the randomly generated name ones um i was doing a playthrough next to my girlfriend and um (laughs) and one of one of my one of the operators or pilots whatever you want to call them uh, ended up dying yeah. so basically i finished the mission and then it said like so and so is deceased died on mission or whatever and the name of yeah. the pilot first name was the name of my girlfriend's dad last name was the name of her mom <laughs> oh my god yeah, i was just like <laughs> check this well, out yeah. and she's like screenshot that we gotta show them that <laughs> yeah um yeah it's really cool they give it like because they also do at the end of the like if you beat a run they have like a credit scene where they're just like this timeline was saved thanks to like the valiant sacrifices of mm. this person, that person, that person. So they, I don't know, they do a really cool job of like that little bit of world building that just helps you stay engaged and interested in it without it being like, I didn't save a time. Okay. Yet, man. <laughs> without it being like a little five second or like, sorry, like five minute cut scene in between, like you just kind of want to go to the next mission quickly. And they do a quick, a nice way of mm. having options in between. This would be a fun, um, so this would be a fun game to do something similar. We did with XCOM before, basically like get three people together and each of them controls like a mech basically. So then, yeah, that would be crazy. Um, it would be fun yeah it'd be fun like little challenge mode to have this is almost kind of complicated because like a lot of times there's so many moving parts right like you want one person to knock somebody somewhere else so that they can then be like knocked somewhere else or collided with something right Mm. so there's like definitely a lot of coordination between the three mechs but it would be fun to to do a run that way so i guess um we won't spend too much more time on it but did you you didn't get to like the final area at all no man i only i only got to the first two Oh, I told goodness, you, you I, get sucked four I sucked at this game. Man, <laughs> I'm telling you. Oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Yeah, all, so like the four islands all have like a kind of different theme to it. Um, so yeah, I guess you didn't even get to the ice island. That's why you didn't understand what I was saying. No. But but like it's, <laughs> but yeah, there's it's ice nice island that and like when the you un- like when you get to it, it's unlocked for every timeline, so you can go to anyone you want right off the bat. Yeah, it just kind of tutorializes like the first few. Because yeah, the first. Um, the first island is pretty generic like not too much really happens there um yeah then the second one has like a bit more of like terraforming to it i think is kind of their theme right so it's like sandy but you can get different uh terraforming things going on with it or chasms that open up and yeah. stuff yeah then the third one is like it's like an ai island so it's like they have mechs everywhere so sometimes there's like hostile mechs that like you have to not destroy but they're still trying to attack you like you have to not destroy them as like a bonus objective so it's like either gonna like freeze them and just like keep them stunned somewhere but then the enemies will try and smash the ice to break them back out so it's like i don't know it's a really fun tug of war of like you're trying to not kill this thing that's destroying you or trying to do stuff so you gotta just bump around or do fun things Mm. and then yeah then the force one has like all these kind of acid um pools and stuff which make things take double damage so it's kind of like high risk high reward uh type stuff but yeah it's cool um one of the weird things i guess the only thing that was like 
that like really stresses me out or like weirds me out or just like I don't know how to think about it is when you do a run you can um either once you complete either two islands three islands or four islands you can go to the final um like vec hive and defeat it and win the run mm-hmm. um and it like tells you that like the game scales based on how many islands you've completed so they basically make a deal of saying like if you beat two islands and then go to the vec hive it'll be equally as hard as if you complete four islands and go to the vec hive mm. um but it's just kind of odd um uh, like i don't really know how to approach that decision because i feel like well I'll, I'll talk about it in comparison to something like binding of isaac i don't know how much binding of isaac you've played but this is I've another kind of rogue like beat binding of isaac i've done a full playthrough of that. <laughs> um well binding of isaac is also weird in that you could beat it by beating mom or mom's heart but then there's more and more that gets added to it as you progress but um and that's the part i'm going to talk about here but basically um you get to a certain point in the game after you beat um mom or mom's heart it's been a little while one of the two like kind of final ish mainline bosses um after you've unlocked a bunch of stuff you get the choice to either take a polaroid or a negative so you get this item choice and that kind of dictates which of the two end game paths you're going to kind of go towards um so there's like the chest which is like you're going up to like heaven or there's like the um, shoal which is like you kind of go down to hell sort of a thing so you kind of get the choice um but um i'd say that um i can't uh, i'm gonna butcher it. one of them is harder than the other it's been so long since i played i, I want to say the chest is harder but maybe shoal is harder but anyway let's just say the chest is harder so you kind of make this choice of like okay i don't have a lot of great items i'm kind of barely getting by so i'm going to commit to going to shoal which is like uh a little bit easier of a victory but i think i have the tools to get there as opposed to you know when you get a super overpowered run you can kind of challenge yourself a little further by taking the harder path Mm. um so that makes sense to me and i think that's a fun choice this one where it's just kind of like if after two islands i'm feeling super powerful um should i just go do the vec island now or should i use that power to kind of complete the other islands and get more equipment for my mechs um or vice versa like if i'm not feeling super powerful does that mean i should try more islands or am i just going to have a harder time of getting through those islands as well so it's just weird that they say it doesn't matter what how many islands you do and you get a different badge for each like each squad has a badge for completing two islands three islands or four islands so like in theory i back when i played this game before like i remember doing two island runs but the only reason i did a two island run was just because I needed the two island badge for this squad or whatever. It was never because like I felt like it was the right choice or made sense. So, yeah. Honestly, but don't, and the only reason that this even stands out to me is just because everything else feels really calculated and really tight and like every choice matters and it makes sense all the choices you're making and you're like, you know, thinking about where to position people at the end of turns and everything just makes, even where you're investing like powers and upgrades in each of your mechs, like it, I feel like I understand all those choices and this is just one of those choices that just didn't seem to make sense to me i kind of would rather they just make you go through all four islands or maybe just make the final boss like the same difficulty no matter when you go to it but so then what you can do a two island run and it's kind of like a hard mode of ways because you don't have a lot of equipment but you're still just going after it earlier and maybe that's worth more points in the end or something Mm. but yeah it's 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 weird but yeah not to end on a negative note but that like i said that's just the only only weird thing that kind of came up for me uh, over the whole thing it just seemed like a weird uh, design choice for that but maybe there's an element to it that i just don't fully understand 
Yeah, I mean, I don't really have much negative to say about the game either. It's just literally the fact that I think I kind of sucked at it, so I wasn't even yeah, able this to one, get um, It would be cool to, like, we'll have to, next time we're together, we'll have to maybe play around or something just to see, like, mm. um, how different people handle it. Because, like, um, yeah, there might be even, like, there's a lot of, like, mechanics and stuff that you might not even, like, think about, um, you know, just in the way that, like you know knocking people around and, and doing different stuff i'm trying to even remember what the default squad is there's one there's the artillery guy there's the punchy guy and, and what a tank yeah yeah um so yeah there's like you can do kind of cool stuff with the tank where like you shoot the opposite way and then but so you'll shoot something but then also cause yourself to like ram into another enemy depending on how you line it up and stuff so there's lots of ways you can like extract extra value from it mm. so we'll have to see um i'm glad you liked it. at least this was my recommendation because i wanted to play something a little more tactical and puzzly so i appreciate you you giving it a go yeah man did it scratch your your chess itch would would would, would you i mean you know i know you said that you'd be okay if somebody described it as chess ish but yeah um, um i don't i don't think so to be honest actually like i feel like mm -hmm. i think i do enjoy playing chess as of late at least a little bit more than that game um okay. but that's just because probably i've i mean i understand chess more than that game at this moment so i mean yeah i mean I, chess chess I and like... that game probably both have you know there's obviously like mm -hmm. tons and tons of possibilities with each move <laughs> in both of those games and it's very strategic and that's sort of why i kind of put the two in a similar box or can or wouldn't you know i'm not upset if someone kind of described it as such but yeah i i like i mean for this i really like it because it's um like my favorite part is when you get put in kind of a random situation it's like okay now i gotta dig myself out of here mm. um but this is basically all that like every turn you know just random guys summon they go do random things like you can't really prepare super well for a future turn yeah um whereas something like chess or even like longer term strategy games like rts's and stuff right they're more about like having a plan from the very start to the very end that's like coherent um and you adapt to some things but it's more about like your overarching plan and understanding you know long-term ramifications mm -hmm. um where this is more like turn by turn by turn which also means it was pretty handy for me to be able to pick it up and put it down like even in between in the middle of a mission i could stop and come back to it and you can look at it and easily understand where you are and what you're about to do so yeah. it's cool but um yeah so huge thumbs up for me i mean this is by the same people who made ftl as well so they kind of knew what they were doing with this genre of game but i think they wanted to make something slightly different and i feel like they accomplished it uh, on every aspect so mm. i think I'll, I'll be continuing to play this it's just such a fun game to, to pick up and do a little round of it and lots of badges and stuff to unlock which is always good for a roguelike one thing one thing i think that's kind of cool about this podcast too is like we're both we're both very different gamers with a lot of things but we're very yeah. similar in other ways so it's like almost like you know if there's some games that are lucas picks and some games that are alex picks or some games that are you know both of both of us picks kind of thing as far as like you know recommendations <laughs> or ones that we really like kind of thing i feel like listeners will be able to uh gravitate to one of us a bit more than the other yeah yeah that's i mean that's a good thing when you're listening to reviewers and stuff it's you know more importantly than just like f looking at the overall number of whatever rating gets like 
it's best to you know find somebody who has your like opinions on stuff or like you know like similar games to you and then you can kind of uh you know follow along with what they like it's yeah. you know more important than just getting a general nine out of ten for something just from a generic mm. <laughs> like like algorithm right yeah. so yeah for sure um yeah there's there's games i wouldn't even bother recommending for the podcast because i know that uh that they wouldn't be your fancy but who knows maybe we'll get to something super strategic and wild at, at some point make us we'll separate know. even further be like i fucking hated this game yeah I'm not playing the game i'm waiting it'll, it'll happen eventually oh yeah sure. it'll just bound to happen but anyway uh we'll, we'll wrap it up there thanks everyone for hanging out with us this one was a little bit of a long one so thanks for sticking yeah. it out to us but uh, i think we had a lot of good stuff to talk about both yeah. in news and, and here so Hope uh, hope you enjoyed sticking along. Again, I've been Lucas. I've been Alex. And if you want to get in touch with us, you can uh, reach us at uh, backloggameclub at gmail.com or follow us uh, on Instagram and Twitter at backloggameclub. Um, one of these days, I will eventually use social media and uh, figure that stuff out. But follow us. Something will come eventually. And uh, we hope to hear from you. Take care. Bye.